Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us. And today we have something that's totally brand new for us. And we usually talk about adventures, Julie, that you and I go on. But today we have a special guest somebody who has hiked the John Muir Trail, a famous hiking trail in our home state. So we're going to take some time today to learn about this adventure. We're excited to have this guest here. He is well known to me, and I fondly call him Bobby, but I think he likes to be called Bob. So we are just going to kind of jump into this, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about the John Muir Trail. So Bob as I call him Bobby, is actually my brother. He's my baby brother. Um, We have had some great stories from him about him hiking this trail. I have to tell you, when he first set out on the first time, I was a bit scared because I didn't know what he was heading into. I didn't know anything about the trail itself. So I was really, really happy to hear about the trail when he came back and the pictures that he showed me that were just awesome. So Bobby... We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, trail itself, and then we will have you jump right in. Okay. So the John Muir Trail passes through what the backpackers say is the absolutely finest mountain scenery in the United States. This is a land of mountain peaks that get as high as 14,000 feet in some places, and it has incredible lakes and canyons along the trail. The trail itself is 211 miles long, And it runs mostly in conjunction with the Pacific Coast Trail from Yosemite Valley to Mount Whitney in California. It winds through the very famed Sierra Nevada, and this trail visits some of the most iconic crown jewels of our park system, which would be like Yosemite, John Muir, and Ansel Adams Wilderness, the Kings Canyon, and the Sequoia National Parks. So we learned that the trail development began in 1915, one year after John Muir passed away, but it took a whole nother 46 years for the trail to be fully completed. And this trail sees only about 1,500 through hikers annually. So while it is known as America's most famous trail, it gets less traffic than other comparable trails, such as the Appalachian Trail on the East Coast or the Way of St. James in Spain. So that's our introduction to the John Muir Trail, and now we're going to get into being able to learn all about it, and I'm excited to learn about the details on this, yeah, firsthand from somebody who's who has done it, I think, more than once, too, right? So welcome to the show, Bob, and why don't we just kind of dive in with, tell us how you even learned about this as an option. Well, I guess I just seen it on the TV just kind of sparked my attention. First, it was the Appalachian Trail. I thought about doing that one. I had no idea about the JMT. And then after doing some research, and then I 
just clicked on the JMT and I just said, this is the one. So it's in my backyard. You know, logistically, it just makes it easier for me to get there and get home, you know? So when you say close to home, you drive to the trailhead, is that right? Yeah. And then what do you do with your car? Well, I leave it in uh, at the bottom of Mount Whitney in uh, Lone Pine, the city of Lone Pine. Uh-huh. Um, I just I pay the Chamber of Commerce $100, and I'll park it uh, in their parking lot for the whole month. Oh, very cool. And then jump on a couple buses up to Yosemite, and then make my way back, walk back to my car. Oh, very cool. Very nice. How long's the drive from Lone Pine to Yosemite to the starting point? Oh, I guess uh, there's a couple buses. Uh, you're going to jump on one bus. They're the Eastern Sierra Transit up to Mammoth, which is probably a couple hours, yeah. two and a half hours, three hours up to Mammoth from Lone Pine. Yeah. And then from there, you jump on the, on the YART system, which is the Yosemite system. And then the, from Mammoth, it'll take you into Yosemite. Okay. Pretty mammoth hike. So Julie and I, we've done, the longest hike that we've ever done is what's called the Backbone Trail here in the Santa Monica Mountains, which is a little over 80 miles. But when we did it, it was over a series of weekends. So we would do like a segment one week. Then I think what, like two weeks later, we do another segment. So it took us about eight total hikes to do it. On the John Muir Trail, you basically commit yourself to, you get to Yosemite, and then you're nonstop until you finish. So a mammoth hike, 211 miles. Before you did this, what's the longest hiking that you've ever done prior to the John Muir Trail? Well, that was it. That was my first big hike. I was right off the couch. Okay. I was uh, <laughs> 230 pounds, wanted to go you know, shed some weight. Yeah. So I figured, let's go uh, to the mountains. So, it worked, didn't it? Yeah, I, I lost about a pound a day. Yeah. I shed about 25 pounds, probably. So what kind of prep work did you do for this, or did you do any, or did you just say, I'm doing it? And no, 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 no. We, we went hiking in the local mountains to make sure we could uh, do some, um, like, 3,000-foot elevation gains with, uh, you know, with, with some weight on, maybe 30 pounds. And uh, you got to get ready for it. Yeah. You already mentioned that you had to pay the city of Lone Pine, their city of commerce, a fee for keeping your car there. But there's other fees involved, right? Is there a permit you have to get? Yeah, there's a permit, but that's like $5, the permit. Oh, wow. But okay. it's so hard to get. It's oh. Like, especially now, I've been doing this for 10 years now. And every year, it seems to be getting harder and harder to get the permit. Because of the amount of people yes. that are deciding to it's take just, the trail? It's becoming very popular. Mm-hmm. And they have a limit to how many people can walk it? Yes, they do. Okay. Um, especially in COVID season, there are no more walk-ups available. They give you the permit by a rolling lottery. So uh-huh. you, you, you fill out the lottery paperwork and... You know, people all over the world are trying to get this. Yeah. It's hard to get. That's kind of like when we did the Backbone Trail. The way we did it, it was led by the Park Service, and they only had so many people on this complete through hike, and we had to get into a lottery to become part of that experience. So I think ours, I don't know if there was more than 50 people maybe when we did ours. I think it started with it started with more people than ended the whole thing. Right, yeah. right. 
Yeah. So let's talk about as you're getting ready to go, I'm picturing this in my head. It's just you and a backpack. And so whatever you're going to have with you on the trail, I'm, I'm assuming is at least you're starting with stuff in your pack. So what's, what do you take with you? Well, in my pack, you know, you got your, you need a tent. Some people don't have tents. So, you know, some people like to just sleep outside, but you know, with the bugs and everything, I, I'm a tent person. Yeah. <laughs> hammocks? Uh, yeah, I've seen some hammocks. Mostly a lot of tents. Though. Everybody likes to be sheltered. And plus, if it starts raining, you want some shelter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, sleeping bag, all your gear, a, a bear canister to carry all your food, something to cook the food with, maybe a little burner or something, um, and a really good set of boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your feet are everything. If you if you start blistering out, you're done. Do you have trekking poles or yes? You, okay. yeah, some walking sticks are, are great. It's like you have four legs. Yeah, yeah. We always say that. Yeah, we love our walking yeah. sticks. And I guess we'll get to like how long you spend on the trail, but however long it is, you got to have a lot more food available to you than what you start with in your pack. Like, how many days of food at a time do you have with you, and how do you go about replenishing food when you run out of what's in your pack? I could probably pack. About 10 days of food in my bear canister. And then... Are you, and you're talking about like dehydrated food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that? You know, yeah. nuts, um, just add well, yeah, hydrated yeah. foods, pastas, um, oh, a lot of oatmeal. Oatmeal's real good. A lot of carbs. Yeah. How many days does it take to do this? It took me, the first time I went out, it took me 23 days. Probably average about 10 miles a day, but... Uh, 10 miles is about the minimum. You probably do more close to 13 to 15 miles a day. Once you get going yeah. and you get more strength and you get past the altitude sickness when you start out and then, you know, you get your legs under you and you really start moving 15 mile days. That's some serious walking. That's serious walking. But how do you know when it's time to call it quits then, especially with altitude sickness? Well, it's a good question. I mean, if you can't recover from it, you're done. Uh, I've seen people who get wiped out from it. You know, just two days in, they just can't can't do it. Headaches, cramps, they're just... And those are the people that will just say, I'm done, turn yeah, around yeah. and go descend. Well, I don't think there's no turnaround. you got to get out to the nearest point you can get out. There's You're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so I remember we visited another brother of yours, I think last summer in Reno, and on the way back home, we were driving on the 395 and stopped at Lone Pine for lunch. Mm-hmm. And there was um, a table right behind us, right behind me, two ladies who had just come down from Mount Whitney. Yeah. And I think one of them was talking about the altitude sickness that she experienced up there. So on the one hand, I had heard about hiking Mount Whitney before, and I thought, well, that sounds like an interesting thing to do. But then I'm looking at this lady and hearing about her experience, and she just had, I mean, a really difficult time with the altitude. Yeah. She was very young. She was really young. Well, you want to acclimate. If you're going to do Whitney, maybe you know, try to bite off the whole thing in one day. You know, go up uh, halfway to the base camp. There's a, two camps, and uh, it's like halfway up. And, you know, just stop right there and then let your body... You know, get your breathing going and yeah. get acclimated. Yeah. Because yeah, I find even when we go, because we try to get out to Sequoia National Park, usually you know, every summer, most summers we're able to get there. But I've, I've noticed over time that I do a lot better if I start hydrating 
really hard before I ever get up into the mountains. Cause if I just, oh, yeah. if we just drive up, I'm not hydrated headache hits. Yeah, you, and then I've got a crappy vacation for the next, you know, two, three days or whatever. And once it starts, sometimes it won't go away. Yeah, You so. always want to get hydrated before you, you go out. Yeah. So that's a tip I think for people is if you're looking to go to the mountains, pack the water. Yeah. Don't go up there and think, you know, I'm thirsty now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you start yeah. drinking way before you go. Way, yeah. Drink way before and bring your water, bring your own water. Don't drink from the streams because there's bacteria in them. Um, Unless you have a filter. Yeah, I I have no problem drinking from the streams. Do you well, filter I it? I filter it. I have okay. a UV filter, but the water is so good. Is it uh, spring water? Snow water. There are okay. springs. There are springs bubbling up. Yeah. Mineral water is coming up. I filter that too. I don't think I have to, but I filter everything just because I don't want to get sick out there. Right, it's right. not a place to get sick. And I would think you have to do that because if you're out there for 20 some odd days, there's no way you're going to be able to carry the amount of water that you'd need. Yeah, there's no, yeah, no, it'd be too heavy and there'd be no water by supply place along the way. No 7-Eleven? No. There's plenty of water, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Talk to us about what's a typical day like on the trail? Uh, crack of dawn, you, you get up with the sun and that sun, as soon as it's up, it wakes you up and then we just get up, you know, start stretching from the day before, you know, get all the kinks out, saunter around, kick some dirt and rocks. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, make some oatmeal, get things going, maybe some scrambled eggs, I don't know. Just get some breakfast going, got to get some food in you. And then, uh, of course, I got to go, you know, go dig a hole somewhere. (laughs) Biology happens, so how do you deal with that part? Number one and number two. I mean, I know number one. Well, you got to go dig a hole. You know, go bury that thing. I mean, is that the way it works? I mean, you yeah, just yeah. Get... Those those are the rules. You, you got to dig a like a rabbit hole, like I don't know, six six inches deep, and uh, get that thing buried. And... So if you bury it, you're fine. You don't have to like bag it up and um, carry out with you. Because I thought I heard about that. They uh, want you to take your um, toilet paper, used toilet paper, with you. They don't want it throwing it in the hole. Okay. That's the one thing the rangers just can't stand doing is picking up everybody yeah. else's poo-poo paper. Yep. I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, if you're on a part of the trail that's maybe just granite and there's really no place to dig a hole, do you carry out? I would find a spot. For if, like, if you're like jumping around and, you know, nature's calling, I mean, it's just going to happen, right? Yeah. I don't know matter where you're at. I mean, it's not what we do, but, you know, we like yeah. to dig a hole. But if you can't, you can't. And you mentioned we, so like when you've done this, have you done it with a group of friends? Have you oh, done yeah, it yeah. solo? Or? No, I've done it both solo and with friends. I started out with friends, and then as the year has gone on, they just dropped off, and it just became me. And when you're out there hiking, is it just you and nature, or if you're with your buddies, you're chatting with them, headphones, music, or stuff to kill the no, time no no we're with the friends it's the best we're just chatting and it's a really good time but uh on the hike we spread out sometimes my friend gets a mile ahead of me you know he's a little stronger hiker they just keep going you know we'll catch you up to you later leave you <laughs> in the dust yeah <laughs> but there's always a sense of you're eyeing the other one just in case something happens right there's, there's not a yeah usually we'll um the lead person will take a walkie-talkie, and the the last person will have one. So no one will get like left behind. Yeah, I know there's been hikes that we've done where 
on numerous occasions, I thought that, hey, this would be, I know I'm going to be out there for six hours, seven hours. It's going to be a great time to listen to music. So I'll bring some device in the headphones, but it, I almost never put it on because when I'm out there, I think when, when I do hike with headphones, I do want to hear what's around me and that it just never feels right for me to be having headphones when I'm out hiking. So for me, it kind of messes up my equilibrium. Okay. If I need to hear, like you say, you need to hear stuff, just wind going through the trees, whatever. I just need to hear something. Yeah. And also, I mean, I like to listen to, I mean, if there's birds out there, listen to birds. I bet like in, if we're in Sequoia, it's not, not that we would, I guess, hear a bear, but I want to be attentive to what's around me. And if I've got the music piping in my ears, oh, yeah. I'm less attentive to what's, what's going on. walk right, right into a bear and not even know it. Yeah. Speaking about bear, have you had bear encounter? I've had a bear grab my bear canister right when we were going to sleep. And the thing with bears is you can't hear them. Their, their paws are um, really soft. They could be walking through a bed of leaves, and you will not hear the bear. Stealth. He will, he'll come up on you and take your food. He was six feet away from me, and he took my food and threw it down the hill to smash it on the rocks. These guys are really smart. Wow. But uh, we had multiple people, so we scared them off, and... I had to go run down the hill, go get my food. Did you, you recovered your food? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Any other animal encounters that you can think of? or? I usually just run across bears and a lot of deer. I haven't seen no cats. I have seen a, a rattlesnake, a big one in Yosemite. I just didn't think they were that high up in elevation, but it was about 9,000 elevation, I think I've seen it. But other than that, I think the higher you go, you're not going to see them. Yeah, and in the Sierras with the bear, do you have like bells on you for a warning or bear spray in the Sierras? Um, bear spray is good. I don't, I don't have it. You know, you just got to, with the bear, they just want your food. They don't want to mess with people. And if you can just stand up, get as big as you can, get as loud as you can and own the spot and own Good luck. Hopefully that bear is not super hungry. Because <laughs> I think I have heard that whatever variety of bear we have in the Sierra, which I think is a black bear, yep. they're not as aggressive as like when we went to Yellowstone. I think they have the grizzlies out there. Yeah. And that's where they highly recommended for us having the bear spray with us. Yes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. We went to Denali. That's another place with a lot of grizzlies. So yeah. that's, that's a place for bear spray. So you've ended your day, you're setting up for the night. I mean, what's it like to sleep, you know, out in the middle of nowhere? Well, I guess like when the sun goes down, I mean, you just out like a light, you're sleeping, you're so tired. And usually you're sleeping on water, so the water's rushing, you know, you get that sound, you just right to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've slept 12 hours straight, solid, like solid. Because I'm sure you're, you get like exhausted from that much hiking, oh, yeah. so that's gonna like wear you out. So I've never backpacked before, and I've never done anything like you have. But when we have gone camping, when we tent camp, we're usually on some kind of pad. But even when you've got a level pad, and you know we throw the sleeping mats or the sleeping bags down, if there's not some kind of mattress under me or a mat. I mean, that can get uncomfortable. So, I mean, do you do anything besides have, your sleeping bag for I comfort? I just have to blow up a little airbag, a little pad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, because that's, you know, one night you're going to be sleeping on a tree rut or something on it. You yeah. know, you don't, mm-hmm. 
just want to get that mat down. Going back to your pack. So if your pack, if you've got the sleeping bag, the the pad, your cooking gear, food, whatever, what's the average weight that you're walking around with? I would say anywhere from a high 30s to 45 pounds, probably. Okay, I would have thought it would be more. So that, that's that's kind well, of reasonable. Do. Yeah? People people like to carry 50 plus and yeah. 60. I just that's a lot. It's too much. Yeah. I want to. That'll just slow me down. Yeah. Weather. So I imagine when you do this is probably in the middle of the summer when weather is probably better. But have you had weather issues up in the Sierras? I've done this trip in June, July, August, and September. So I've found in June that the snow melt, it's raging waters. It's pretty scary. And that one I did leave. I was by myself. I went halfway through the trail and I was like, nah, this water's too, too much. And when you're on the trail, there's like parts of rivers that you have to cross? Oh, yeah, then? water crossing. Okay. Yeah, so last time we were in Sequoia, there was one trail that we went on, I think it was called the Twin Lakes Trail. And we got to a point that the river was raging. It was also after a pretty big snow melt, but we were hiking with cameras and we probably had like three, four thousand dollars of yeah, you don't stuff, wanna, you and don't I don't want to get into the river yeah. and have that stuff go bye bye. So there's a method to uh, get through those water crossings. You use like a tripod method, where you sit sideways, you know, you get your legs firmly out a little bit and stab your pole down in the middle, kind of, and then just kind of move your way across, moving sideways across, going facing the current. Uh, But if that water gets to your hips, that's good. But the water gets above your hips, that's when it starts pushing. They could suck you up and push you down the river. No problem. And have you heard of people who have attempted the John Muir Trail who have basically not made it? I mean, you know. Yeah, I have. It happens every year. Someone does uh, pass away or... Like I said, those water crossings are dangerous. I had a girl who was going across. She was four days ahead of me or something. Because you you hear about it on the trail. News travels out there. And she fell into the water. She just couldn't recover and get out. And she did perish. Wow. Um, Wow. Another another guy, that was a couple years ago, maybe three years ago. He had slipped on ice and just bumped his head and... Oh, yeah. So there's there's lots of different reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just every step, you yeah. just got to, especially that ice. Yeah. You really want to make sure your footing yeah. is good. and. Yeah. I had read uh, that altitude sickness actually takes a few people. Yeah. They get disorientated and they could fall right off a yeah. mountain yeah. Like, and not even know it. Yeah. So with that, I imagine the buddy system comes in handy if you are able to have other people with you. Yeah. It's always, always you. better to have someone with you and funner. When you think back to the times that you've walked the trail, does any memory come to mind of any interesting folks that you've bumped into along the way? Yeah, you meet all kinds of people. Uh, well, I remember you said something about you weren't actually on the trail, but you were off trail and you met somebody that was homeless or something, right? You were concerned about him? Oh, that was, in, uh, that was actually in Mammoth. He was just distraught and had his problems about his girlfriend who was overseas. Oh, and yeah. She was ill and she was she needed oh, help. Right. Yeah. 
but I, I had the cross. I was wearing a cross, and he just, boom, went right towards me. He was oh. like, because uh, he was like, can we pray? And I was like, all right, brother, let's do it. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's all right. No, that's, that's neat. That's neat, though. I yeah. mean, that's a neat experience. When you think back about the multiple times you've hiked John Muir Trail, what's the hardest thing you've encountered? Probably pushing through the uh, altitude sickness. I remember just feeling you could just run out. Like you eat, eat your food, whatever, and then you run out of that food. You run out of gas. Mm-hmm. And you just, it just takes everything out of you. You just uh, can't even move anymore. You just, just like, just whatever, just stop what you're doing. There ain't no sense going anymore. And I mean, just you start shaking, you get the shakes. It's really bad. This uh, is altitude sickness or this is I just think a- it's altitude and plus just uh, not, you burn up all your food. Your, your body's just in you bad have, shape. You have nothing day. left to burn. Yeah. You, you have, there's no energy there no, at all. No, there's nothing. Okay. And there's no 7-Eleven to, no. to get new supplies. Best memory that you have from hiking the trail? Just being there and smelling the, the pine trees and the, feeling the cold rushing water and just endless beauty. It just starts off beauty and it just never ends. It never ends. It's, it's incredible. This is probably the nerdy part of me. So hiking the John Muir Trail, I would be inclined to soak up some John Muir. You know, he wrote, a lot of books, etc. Have you like read any of his stuff or soaked up any of John Muir's? You no, know, I legacy? haven't. I remember maybe a little bit, but I forgot what I just read a little bit because there was a book inside the John Muir hut. Um, on the John Muir Pass, there's a rock hut. The Park Conservancy uh, built it. Yeah, for I, him, in honor of him, and for uh, camp our hikers to get out of bad weather. And in there was a book about John Muir. So I stayed the night in there, and uh, the book was right there. I just read a couple pages, but it gets dark really quick. (laughs) And then one year I missed, at the hut, John Muir Hut, they had a film crew, helicoptered all this stuff in, and they were filming at the John Muir Hut, and there was like cheese and wine, a cello player, (laughs) and I missed it by one day. Oh, Oh, no. I heard about it, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get up there. And then I get there, and there's like crickets. No, no concert for you. Nothing. Oh. And no cheese and crackers. Cheese and wine. Yeah. And, no, and they, like, were, they were interviewing people. Oh. Yeah, they were doing a documentary interviewing yeah. crackers. We saw, we saw something like that. Was it on the John Muir Trail? Yeah, or? it was. It was at that hut. That's it? Yeah. That's probably yeah. it. Yeah, it was that at I that hut. It. it was part of it. I mean, there was other parts to this, too, that they were filming people along the way, and that mm-hmm. was one of the places that they mm-hmm. filmed people. Yeah, they were just waiting at the hut. People would show up, and there would be like this concert yeah. and food. We saw and... that. Yeah, I think the one we saw was called Mile, Mile and a Half. Oh, my, that's a good movie. You saw that? Yeah. yeah. That's what I watch when I just I get the fix. I want to yeah, was... get out there. Yeah, yeah Mile, Mile and a Half is a good yeah. one. On the John Muir Trail, like, what would you say is the oldest person you ever saw? Oh, my God. 75. Five. Yeah. I've seen old women, 70 plus. Yeah. yeah, you have to be really in shape. I mean, you just have to be an active person. When we did the uh, the Backbone Trail, there was a, uh, a couple there. there they were like in their 70s. Yeah. And they were doing but fine. But they're just strong people. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, they got people that run the JMT in like four and a half days. Run it? Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Run it. They do about like el- these ultra marathon 40, 50 miles yeah. a day. Oh my gosh. That's a different kind of brain setup yeah. too. Because there is a record. Somebody might hear this podcast and say, that sounds so great. I really want to try it. Are there any tips that you can give to somebody that is like you, you know, you, you were just sitting on the couch and you, you found an interest in it and now you want to try it. What kind of tips can you give them? Well, don't buy cheap boots. <laughs> Our gear, gear period. Yeah. yeah. You know, really, when you're spending a couple of weeks out there, you want really good gear. You don't want nothing to break. You want to train for this thing. You can't just go out there and end up, um, you know, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then you're still 30 miles from the nearest highway or you're somewhere to get out, you know. Yeah, yeah just doing your research, um, research the trail. Did you go on the internet or how did you find the, your research? Yeah, this, this is Google it, right? Okay. And uh, have plenty of information. I bought a map and just went for it. <laughs> That's why I went to REI. I said, there's a JMT map, bought it, and started uh, looking at that, checking out elevation gains and distances, maybe how far I might go from here to there to there, you know, to plan it out. Right before the hike, did you have a backpack or did you buy a backpack specially for this hike? I bought a backpack for this hike. Okay. Yeah. I bought a Gregory Baltoro. Okay. 65. Baltoro 65, but I just gave that one to my buddy, trying to get him hiking, and I bought a new Baltoro 75, a little bit bigger. Oh, so okay, I, so I want more. Good yeah, well, yeah. I want to bring more stuff. I just uh. <laughs> when we did the the Backbone Trail, and we did that thinking that at some some point that we wanted to hike what's called the uh, Camino de Santiago in Spain. That's like a 500 mile walk, but we. Spend quite a bit of time checking out different backpacks. We ended up, we actually have two different models of Osprey packs. And I just know for us, you know, having a pack that you've, where you can control how it lays on your hips, making sure that it doesn't pull on your shoulders Mm -hmm. when you're out there for eight hours hiking, that makes a big difference. Yeah, you want that backpack uh, high and tight. High up on your back, you know, nice and tight. Make it part of you. Make that backpack a part of you. You don't want it swinging around, swaying. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a hard time. Yeah. You've mentioned that you've done this particular hike multiple times. What's next in your hiking future? Gosh, I'm going back to the JMT. <laughs> Any desire to do something like the Appalachian or Pacific? I think with the whole Pacific Crest Trail is even longer than this one. Yeah, yeah but... Part of that trail is like, I don't want to go walking through the desert, walking through stuff that's not as beautiful as the Sierras. I mean, Sierras are it for me. Your draw is the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind to do the Pacific just for, uh, just to say I did it, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just doesn't, I don't have six months to go do that. Right, right. Three weeks is good enough for me. And I do the, one of the best sections around, you know. Do you plan on doing this alone again, or do you, are you trying to get your buddies to go? Or what? I always try to ask somebody, but it's hard for people to get out. Yeah. You know, I own my own company, so I could just, yeah. you know, I'm just a one-man show. I could yeah. just leave whenever I want. 
So anything that we haven't talked about that comes to mind about this hike? Well, I highly recommend it. You know, if you're physically able to do it, I would do it. You know, even if you can't do the whole thing, you know, you could do segments and uh, three days, four days, a week. You know, it's a great time. If you like fishing, it might take you longer than a week Mm. because you'll be like out there, water's everywhere. Do you you fish when you're out there? I have before. I brought a little pole with me and uh, I just found that, gosh, I'm just so darn tired. I don't don't want to fish. (laughs) Unless you took like a whole day off and you're at a, you know, spot. Yeah, I just kick back, go fishing. I I recommend it. Yeah, bring a pole if you can, yeah. Yeah, we always try to tell people that if there's something that you'd like to do, do it sooner rather than later because Father Time has a way of Mm -hmm. catching up with people one way or another, and you may find out that you wake up someday and the thing you wanted to do, you can't for whatever reason. So I think, I mean, this sounds like a fascinating trip to do, Mm -hmm. and like you said, it's right in our backyard in California. So just phenomenal experience. So we haven't done it, but mm-hmm. I was glad to hear about your experience. And so kind of vicariously through you, got a sense of what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll do it, but... I don't know if there is something that would keep us from doing it. I would love to. We certainly can train and see how how that goes. That would be a good thing, even for Camino. When you do this trail, does it? Act, how close to Mount Whitney do you get relative to like the peak? Oh, it's it. The trail ends at the peak. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So you have to climb Whitney to finish this thing. So when you're done, you're at the highest point in North America. In the in, in the lower continental in the continental yeah. United States. Yes. All right. Okay. So you made it to Mount Whitney. <laughs> That's got to be a moment of celebration and accomplishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what? Well, when you're on the backside of Whitney, uh, you're already halfway up. You know, when you the Whitney portal, you know, you're at the bottom, bottom. From the JMT side, you're already halfway up the mountain. Yeah. Well, how long does it take to get down to, I meant you go, you go back down to Lone Pine, yeah? Yes. Okay. And is that like a... The descend a, from, the, from Whitney at the top? Yeah. Is that a day, a half day? Well, usually I'll start on the backside of it and then um, I'll go up. Up Whitney, and then come down Whitney, and then jump on because the trail goes through the pass, which isn't isn't really the peak of Whitney, but the pass part of it, and it goes up Whitney like two miles to the peak, and then back down, back to the trail again, hmm. and then you continue down, and there's like a a base camp down there. There's two camps. Usually I'll go down to the second camp, and I'll just stay the night there. Okay. And I, I could make it all the way down. It just depends on how I'm feeling, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then is it finally down to Lone Pine for burgers and beer? Or? Well, no, there's burgers and beer in the portal. Okay. There's a store. You know, you got the highway that goes up there. So, uh, yeah, they got the pancakes the size of the plate. <laughs> oh. Yeah, really large portions of food, like a mountain plate. It's really good. Yeah, because I bet after eating uh, dehydrated food and stuff for three <laughs> right. weeks... Like a good meal. I do believe your stomach shrinks out there. So that pancake, you eat half of it, it's like you're awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be uh, bringing stuff up after you've eaten such a nice meal. So take your time eating and don't get over full. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us here, Bobby. We really appreciate it. We hope maybe we'll see you on the trail too. I'd, I'd like to maybe talk about some training, you know, what we yeah. could do. And, uh, but we really appreciate you being here and helping us out on our, our podcast. You're welcome. And we'll be back with more adventures next time. Thanks for joining us at the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.